Many people know you as James Bond. Uh, I think the greatest James Bond. I think you're the greatest Bond. Ever. If I was going to speak the truth, I should speak the truth to you. You should. Daniel, Daniel Craig, we, we could use some good news here. Uh, Daniel Craig, will you return as James Bond? Yes. Welcome back to Double Oz 7, the show that still exists, people. <laughs> we still only have two of us. Uh, which stay tuned to the end of this show to find out uh, who our next exciting co-host is. We'll talk a little bit about that and things to come. Uh, no, we're not here to do what was the Live and Let Die or Diamonds Are Forever that was next. What was it? Uh, Live and Let Die, I believe it was, Colin. Yeah, it's not Live and Let Die, um, but uh, we're talking about something more exciting, uh, which is the announcements that you've already heard about. So why are you tuning into this episode? Um, <laughs> because you want to hear how funny we can make. A man showing up on a talk show, <laughs> uh, an announcement of a movie everybody knew he was going to be in, how funny we can turn that into in an episode. So we're here to talk about Daniel Craig, um, upcoming Bond 25, everything related to that movie, all the rumors, all the excitement and everything else. Uh, my name is Colin, and uh, to hear what I have to say on this subject, stay tuned to uh, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert later tonight. And my name is Ben, and I also will have an announcement to make on a late night talk show at some point in the future, uh, but I'll be hosting it, and I don't know where I'm going with this introduction, it really isn't funny, so let's move on to this it, episode. <laughs> it may be called the qualifying lap, and you may be one of a dozen people listening to it. <laughs> yes, the qualifying lap's recap of Titanic, coming soon. We'll pick out all the Formula One references. Uh Look, I mean, this episode's a few weeks after the announcement, but in a way, I'm kind of glad because there have been some new things that have come out. Uh, it, people want to know why we're, you know, a few weeks behind on this one. It's because we were waiting for somebody else to show up who isn't here again. <laughs> we, honest to God, were waiting for somebody to show up. That is Noah, who is back in Australia. Yeah. He's, he's stopped living James Bond. Um, I've already hung out with him since his return, so I, I can definitely say that he is alive and well and fucking thin, that little prick. Um, but he lost so <laughs> much weight. don't eat well. <laughs> he really has lost so much weight. I hate the little bastard. But, um, yeah, he he was going to join us for this episode. We sort of all got it ready to go. And then it was basically, nah, I can't yeah. this week. I'm hanging out with my dad. So it's like, <laughs> fuck it, we're not waiting around any longer. By the time we have to keep waiting for it, Idris Elba will be up to his third announcement. So... <laughs> <laughs> That's basically why we're like, all right, we better hope and do this episode. Suck it, Noah. I'm sure he's happy that Craig's back. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess let's go back and talk about the announcement itself. And there are kind of rumors in the weeks leading up to it. I know we even posted a story um, a few weeks before the official announcement that it was going to be decided on Daniel Craig doing it. And I don't think it was a surprise to anybody. Um, when they wait this long, I think it's pretty clear what's going to happen. But the announcement itself... Really, I had no idea about it until I woke up one morning and saw you sent a message in our group chat uh, about Daniel Craig's appearance on Stephen Colbert with the um, uh, Logan Lucky, which you can also listen to Ben's solo review of that via uh, the Oz Network on iTunes. But that announcement, I guess, was just like a few hours beforehand. I'm like, oh, I got to record the show. I'm going to have to hear this and everything. And of course, you know, by the time I got around to watching the show, I already knew what happened. But you heard about the announcement. I'm sure you watched the show live, Ben. You want to take us back to the good old days of August 2017? Oh, what a happy time it was. You know, 
No hurricanes were destroying the world. North Korea hadn't nuked us yet. No, we haven't, apparently, at the time. At least we're recording this. We've killed James Bond, people, so I've probably just, you know, entered the world into nuclear holocaust right now by saying that. But um, I, I actually didn't watch it live, but I, I, I kind of um, was hanging out for the announcement in terms of I knew roughly when the, the timing of the show would be and everything along those lines. And, um, yeah, it was... Um, it was kind of, yeah, about a week beforehand, I, I sort of had read an article saying that it's rumoured that he will announce this officially on Stephen Colbert. So, obviously, somehow, he must have given a, a some sort of deal with Stephen Colbert because he'd been doing a whole day's worth of interviews of press for Logan Lucky and basically every single interview had asked him, are you coming back as James Bond? Are you coming back as James Bond? And he was all, like, so coy. He even apologised, I think, on Stephen Colbert for, yeah, I'm sorry for lying to all those reporters today about that. Mm. So, obviously, there had been some sort of exclusive signed with Stephen Colbert, which I think is a kind of a neat touch to kind of do that. I mean, as a journalist, it would have pissed me off to think, oh, maybe I'm going to get the exclusive. No, Stephen Colbert will. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it was... When was the last time we would have had something like this happen? I mean, I know we obviously had the big press conference when Daniel Craig was announced when he was on that boat down the Thames Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, you know, when would, would have been the last time we would have had a Bond actor on a TV show, basically... I mean, this would have been, you know, probably would have been a bit more of a bigger deal if like, Idris Elba was on the show. I'm like, yeah, I'm James Bond. It's officially been confirmed. But I think this kind of still had a lot of, you know, a lot of media coverage around it, obviously, as soon as the new James Bond's been announced. And also particularly around the fact that also, which we'll talk about in this episode, he's officially said this will be his last. So I think it's the first time in a long time we've had somebody come out like this and just be like, yeah, I'm James Bond. And then also the first time, what, since Connery? Since we've really had someone coming into a, a yeah. role knowing that this will be their last. So... I mean, mm-hmm. you might argue Roger Moore, but, uh, I mean, every film was his last, wasn't it? Exactly, yeah. Uh, I, the other thing, and, you know, we've talked about this several times over the last couple of years, I guess ever since Spectre's come out, that we've never really had that proper finale for a character, uh, even though, you know, maybe Roger Moore did decide while well, he was doing a view to a kill that it was going to be his last one, you know. We've both recently watched a great movie, which we'll be covering in the near future, Becoming Bond, the George Lazenby oh, biopic, which is an amazing movie. movie. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, and the famous story on that, which is, of course, he appeared on The Tonight Show to promote the movie and made the announcement there, yeah, I'm not doing another one. Situations like that are different because they decide I'm going to end it in the middle of production or post-production. And here we're entering a movie and they have the opportunity to write a final movie for Daniel Craig. And obviously it's not, they're not going to kill a character off or anything, but uh, they're going to be able to, I guess, wind down his story, which will also help them, I think, to transition to a new Bond where they can, you know, maybe start putting some things in place now for whoever's going to take over after him. It is completely unique. And even just doing it on a TV show, it's interesting you mentioned that because uh, I think it always has been press conferences in the past. And, you know, we all remember the Daniel Craig press conference and, that was kind of, I guess, you know, the internet was, you know, really, uh, his media on the internet was really taking over at that point. So it had kind of been spoiled months ahead of time. But even prior to that, you know, my first exposure to James Bond ever, you know, as far as not more than just the name of the character, was the day that Pierce Brosnan was announced. And I'm asking my mom, you know, who's this guy? And she's like, oh, he's, he was Remington Steele. This is going to be awesome. Uh, so that whole press conference, I guess you can't really do that anymore because if you announce, uh, uh, we're going to be holding a press conference, the press conference itself is going to make the news before the news breaks. Yeah. So I don't think we'll ever see that again. Now, I think you mentioned doing this on a talk show is something kind of unique. I have a feeling this is the way they're going to do it going forward because you kind of have to now, I guess. 
Yeah, that's a very good point because I think, I mean, this day and age of media, like news, you know, being instantaneous, you know, nothing really can escape the world's attention. If it's a big story, it's always going to come out a couple of seconds, you know, after something happens. And you're absolutely right. Like if, if MGM, Sony Pictures have said, oh, we're going to have a press conference next week to announce, you know, who will be James Bond. I mean, it's just the, the speculation and everything. There'll be leaks and all that sort of stuff. I mean, obviously we had the press conference for Spectre, didn't we? Like, uh, you know, they had the big announcement of the unveiling. I'm sure they will for this one when they, you know, announce the, uh, you know, the villain, the, the Bond girl, the director and kind of the name of it. I'm sure we'll get a big sort of show for that as well. But, yeah, it's kind of this... I think it, it, this might be the way forward, and not just for Bond, obviously, for a lot of these big franchises. Um, but, I mean, in having said that, though, Bond really does kind of seem to be the one franchise that can do this. I mean, not even Star Wars, really. Like, I mean, you think back to when Disney bought Lucasfilm and all that. I mean, I remember that morning. I woke up thinking it was April Fool's Day. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah. what? What's going on here? <laughs> but, I mean, even that wasn't done with the press conference. That was just done with the press release. James Bond really is the only movie franchise where this is a thing, where you will have a press conference over the actor. You will have someone go on a talk show and even have leaks leading up to Daniel Craig's appearance because that's what, yeah, that leak was. Essentially, it was like, oh, it's expected for Daniel Craig to officially announce that he will be back as Bond uh, on Stephen Colbert next week. And generally, when a rumour like that starts, you know, it's generally pretty sturdy in, in terms of what will happen. So I think that's, again, I mean, that's why we do a podcast about this. Uh, you know, it's a great thing that even after over 50 years, Bond can still be this esteemed in, in sort of pop culture, uh, where this is still a thing that it's, it's making news over a simple act of saying it or a press conference. But, uh, there's definitely something in this episode that I want to bring up in terms of just futures of James Bond and things like that, which I read a very interesting article about this week in terms of the film rights about, you know, people bidding, what companies are bidding for, for James Bond. But, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a unique thing and how it was done on, on Stephen Colbert. But it's great. It you know, gives us episodes to talk about. And obviously, uh, you know, such an iconic character. They need to do this, I guess, with James Bond. Uh, let's quickly talk about the studio rights, which really doesn't... I mean, people make a bigger deal out of this than they really should. In no way is this going to impact the movie. I mean, Eon Productions, they control these things. And James Bond is big enough that they just say, hey, do you want our movie or not? We're making it this way. Uh, but... The studios, I guess, are up, you know, two of the, there's obviously uh, Warner Brothers was one that was mentioned. Um, Apple and Amazon, those are the mm. ones you're talking about? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, there's a very good Hollywood Reporter article on this, which I don't know if you read the specific article. I can link you here in a second, but definitely people out there, Google um, Hollywood Reporter and just, this, just all you need to do is type in James Bond Apple and it comes up as mm-hmm. the first one in the news one. But yeah, basically Apple and Amazon um, uh, joining in the rights here to try and, and own the franchise rights of James Bond, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. And it, uh, does it really matter at the no, same time? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean... On paper, it looks themselves. like it matters. On paper, you would think, oh, Amazon, Apple, like... I think, I think the thing with people with companies like this is that they've got that sort of stigma of being a certain way and you know warner brothers and sony are the big movie people but i mean we're looking at netflix you know look at i mean even netflix studios in terms of yeah i know they generally have the rights to put it straight out to um you know netflix but i think a lot of these sort of companies now are actually distributing distributing these theatrically uh, I mean, the big sick from memory is an Amazon studio production. And, you know, that ev- all these companies were fighting for the rights 
over this film. And I think we live in a day and age where it still seems a little bit weird, but five, ten years' time, it's not going to be uncommon for us to go to the cinemas and see Apple movies, you know, or Netflix, yeah. you know, in a, in a theatre. So while it does kind of have that stigma around it now, and it's automatically like, well, Apple, really? They want James Bond? I mean, wh- wh- why is that? should that be a weird thing? I mean, they're the biggest company in the world, literally, and they have an entertainment portion of their company that they can distribute. They, they, they kill it in music. You know, they, they kill it in everything. Everybody wants Apple, you know. So, I mean, I, in some weird way, it, I think, would do very well for James. I mean, I hate Apple products generally, but, I mean, can you imagine what this would be in terms of the branding that you could have? I mean, yes, James Bond is always going to pull out an iPhone, but, um, you know, it's just, it's just going to be interesting to see if that was who, who got it. Um, the other thing, and we'll, we'll kind of get to the story last, you know, we'll, we'll allow people to listen to the episode before they tune out if they don't want any type of spoilers. But, I mean, it's not really spoilers. It's all things that we kind of predicted. Uh, I guess the director is the next thing that will really be announced. You know, we know that certain actors are going to be coming back. We're almost guaranteed going to get Ben Wishaw again and Naomi Harris and Ray Fiennes. But... The director's a big one because Sam Mendes is not coming back this time, and there's been no indication he's going to come back. I know they even said, well, he's not coming back for Spectre, but it was pretty clear yeah, after a while they're going to make this one with them. They will move on with somebody else. We're not going to be getting Martin Campbell again. Uh, we're not going to be getting... Um, Lee Tamahori. Uh, Lee Tamahori, you know, thankfully, or Mark Forrester. But... There are a couple of directors that have been thrown out there. We'll talk about the one that's the least likely first, just because it was kind of an exciting idea, and I think there's maybe a reason why this would make sense, uh, and that's Christopher Nolan. So he's the name that's kind of thrown around all the time of potentially doing a Bond movie, as they throw in front of everything. You, you mentioned any franchise. Who should make a Star Wars movie? Christopher Nolan. I mean, Christopher <laughs> Nolan would not suit Star Wars at all. Who should make Jumanji 3? You know, welcome <laughs> to the Nobody. Forest. welcome to the rocks abs christopher nolan but with james bond i guess i kind of blew that off when they first suggested that you know even around the time spectre was coming out people were saying well maybe christopher nolan can do the next one but christopher nolan himself came out and said he was a huge bond fan and in fact honor majesty's secret service is like in his top 10 favorite movies of all time and knowing where they're going with this with Spectre and everything else, it almost made sense Christopher Nolan could do this. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, is Christopher Nolan going to dedicate three years of his life, uh, you know, two and a half maybe at this point, to making a Bond movie when he can do Dunkirk and he's coming off of probably his greatest critical success of all time with Dunkirk and one of his biggest box office successes. Is there a chance Christopher Nolan is going to do it? I doubt it. Would it be interesting if Christopher Nolan made the movie pre- even Spectre, I would say no. Uh, even around the time of Skyfall, where we had Sam Mendes do it, you know, I still would be skeptical about somebody with Christopher Nolan's style doing it. But at this point, it almost seems like anybody can make a Bond movie, and why not Christopher Nolan? It would be exciting if he did that. And maybe we're not going to get it now, but maybe at some point in the future, he is attached enough to this Bond character, he'd be willing to do it, I feel. Uh, I, look, uh, I mean everything you say I agree I mean everybody I think would love to see Christopher Nolan do a Bond movie I mean you know he's kind of got as everything you said that reputation and just he's attached to you know everything he's I think he's attached to direct Kill Phil 3 and replace me at some <laughs> point not sure but um, you know I, I, I definitely think that it's it's interesting to you know saying he's a big fan and kind of saying what do you what do you need to I mean if I was an esteemed director I would that would be one of the films I'd always want to direct no matter what my reputation is obviously I've probably got a positive reputation in Hollywood which clearly I don't but um, yeah I mean it would be great And but I mean you also then run the risk of it 
becoming more about Christopher Nolan than the franchise, and that's that's the thing. I guess, I mean, even with Sam Mendes, I, I feel that, yeah, we had this, you know, established Academy Award winning director coming into it. Um, but, I mean, I still feel that James Bond kind of overtook that factor, you know. But, I mean, I think Chris Nolan's obviously got a more of a reputation out there than Sam Mendes in terms of just, I guess, box office draw. So, yeah. I mean, you, you do run the risk then of it becoming, oh, it's a, you know. And I, I think James Bond kind of going back to what I was saying, it's, it's a franchise that doesn't need that. I mean, you know, as much as I'd love to see Quentin Tarantino do a James Bond film, it automatically becomes a Quentin Tarantino James Bond film, you know what I mean? Or Steven yeah, Spielberg, yeah. you know, and, and that's that's where you lose it. And that, James Bond doesn't need that. And it's kind of, it's almost like, the director's almost like the actor in some way that, you know, there's always names thrown out who will be the next James Bond. And as we've always talked about, they don't generally go for big blockbuster A-lister. It's kind of, you know, DC-lister who then becomes an A-lister for playing James Bond. And that's kind of, I feel, what the director is as well. I mean, for the most part, all the directors of James Bond have always got on to, I guess, you know, more of an established name because they directed James Bond, not because they've come into it as an established name. Sam Mendes is probably the only exception to that rule. You might, you know, question me on that and a few of the other directors. I mean, you, you know, there's, there have been some, but well, yeah. with with Sam Mendes, I mean, the other thing that we should mention, yeah, that was the most well-known director to ever do James Bond, but he'd kind of taken a slide in his career. I mean, it went, you know, huge success with American Beauty, Road to Perdition pretty much right up there, Jarhead, you know, mildly successful, and then Revolutionary Road and uh, what was that other one, Away We Go or something like that. His career wasn't really on the upswing uh, when he took on Skyfall, uh, and I don't think he was as much of a name anymore, so... It is interesting. I never really thought about the unknown, you know, nature of Bond directors the same way that everybody kind of wants an unknown for Bond. You don't want to go with a big name. Uh, and that kind of does make sense because I remember around the time when Casino Royale was coming out, it was Quentin Tarantino himself that was coming out and saying, I want to do the next Bond movie and I want to do Casino Royale. And I thought to myself, you know, would it be an interesting movie, even if Quentin Tarantino found a way to just make it a traditional Bond and not make it feel like a Quentin Tarantino movie? Do you want that name attached to it? People are like, well, this is Tarantino's Bond. And no one would be that. I mean, it is also funny if you go back to think about Steven Spielberg. He was like the first choice for The Spy Who Loved Me. And it was only because he was busy with Close Encounters. He couldn't do that. But Spielberg was a big enough Bond fan that he said, you know, what was it around Close Encounters and Star Wars both being released? And that conversation came up between Spielberg and George Lucas, where Spielberg said, I really want to do a Bond movie. And George Lucas said, I've got something better than that and pitched him Indiana Jones. Mm. So it's funny to think, had George Lucas not pitched him Indiana Jones, Steven Spielberg probably would have done something like Moonraker. And, you know, he would have been... <laughs> the it would have been a better movie, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's talk about, I guess, the names that are coming out now. And this is a little bit more... I'm not going to say anything's official at this point, but... Uh, Three names are, I guess, heavily attached to this movie right now. Um, two of them I'm familiar with. One of them I'm not. Uh, D David McKenzie, I didn't even realize that he, A, was not American. Um, David McKenzie is, I guess, a Scottish director who last year made a movie called Hell or High Water, which got a Best Picture nomination. It was probably, like, the least seen Best Picture. And in my opinion, by far, like, I, every single year I watch all the Best Pictures, and Hell or High Water was the only movie last year that I said this really deserved a Best Picture nomination. Uh, it was kind of more, like, very American, bank robber, Western-type thing. Uh, 
I think that would make an incredible. He'd make an incredible Bond movie. It's the only movie of his I've seen. Uh, the other names attached: Yann Demange. Uh, <laughs> are you familiar with Yann Demange? No, but I did read a very good article about the fact saying that uh, his name sounds like a Bond villain. Um, yeah, he looks like a Bond villain. Look Yann Demange up on. I've only I've looked at his filmography, and the, literally the only thing here that I mean, I used to watch the TV show Secret Diary of a Call Girl, and the fact that. Uh, he must have directed an episode or two of that. Um, I mean, look, Secret Diary of a Call Girl has the only connection to James Bond is there's a lot of sex in it. Um, so we <laughs> might we might have Billy Piper as a Bond girl. I don't know. But, yeah, I, oh, I'm yeah. completely unfamiliar with any of his work. But, I mean, actually, Billy Piper would be a great Bond girl, actually. Yeah, I, I love Billy Piper. Anyway. <laughs> uh, well, I guess he, he made a movie called 71 a few years ago that... Uh, you know, I must refer to 72. The sequel was better. Yeah, <laughs> sequels usually are, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He has in post production right now White Boy Rick, uh, <laughs> but he does look like a Bond of, villain. Actually. He looks like um, he looks uh, what he looks like uh, a henchman. He looks like um, Thingo. Uh, oh God, what's his name from from Spectre? Yeah, Batiste, Mr. Hinks. Yeah, yeah, he looks yeah. like Mr. Hinks. <laughs> He's been Mr. Hinks. Um, yeah, great name, great look. Uh, he should be in the Bond movie. Uh, it, it's interesting though because the style, I guess, that they're going for here, you know, with both. David McKenzie and Yann Demange is kind of this uh, more gritty crime drama type thing. And the third director, which is the one that makes me most excited, and probably the only one you might have even seen a movie of, has uh, become a huge deal. Also happens to be Canadian, Denis Villeneuve. Are you familiar with the works of Denis Villeneuve? Uh, some of some of it. Uh, just looking at his... Um, his he made one with uh, uh, Hugh Jackman, the, the Pride of Australia. Uh, which one was that one? That was... Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, look, I'm, I'm more familiar with the last name as a Formula One fan. Um, you know, <laughs> Villeneuve, obviously. Is, so how does he say his name? Denny Villeneuve. Villeneuve. I mean, I, I, I say it as Villeneuve based on the Formula One name, obviously the great Gilles and Jacques Villeneuve. Very esteemed Canadians, of course, too, Colin. I'm sure you've heard of them. Um, of I hope you, yeah, of course, never mind. I was about to say, I hope you have. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've never seen any of, I mean, obviously he's doing the Blade Runner film this year, isn't he? So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, he comes from a French-Canadian film background, and uh, Canadian movies aren't that big in Canada. Um, or every in the once world. In a while, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but every once in a while, it's cool, you'll get, like, a big breakout director out of Canadian films, and he's by far the biggest one, and I would argue he's probably one of the, you know, one of the closest things we're getting to a new Christopher Nolan uh, the biggest break he had was a Canadian movie called Incendies that came out, uh, what was it, 2010. And I can't remember or not if it got nominated for an Oscar, but it got a lot of attention, even though it was it a French-Canadian movie. Did it get an Oscar nomination? Academy Award nominee for Best Foreign Language Film, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a fairly big deal here in Canada, too. Um, and it was, like, huge news here when he made his first English-language movie, Prisoners, with Hugh Jackman and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, which, you know, from what I understand, was kind of an average movie, but a lot of people really liked you know, the work he did on it, uh, then went on to make Enemy, another movie with Jake Gyllenhaal, and his last two movies are really the two big ones, Sicario with Benicio Del Toro, which is an unbelievable, again, crime drama movie, uh, probably one of the best movies, at least action movies I've seen in a long time, and then last year, Arrival, which got a Best Picture nomination, I think he might have even gotten a Best Director nomination for it, too. I know why you like Sicario, because it's got Victor Garber in it, but anyway. Uh... It does have Victor Garber, that's right. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, have, I, heard, I remember that one, actually, when it came out. I haven't seen it, but um, I remember seeing an article about that one when it first came out, and it was basically like, why this will win the Best uh, Oscar next year. Basically, they caught it straight away saying, it didn't, clearly. Uh, but um, it wasn't even nominated, but 
But um, yeah, I remember reading a thing about saying about how good it was, and just looking here, I didn't realize Josh Brolin's in. I've got this weird obsession with Josh Brolin. I really like Josh Brolin. So coming um, off a of Men in Black three. <laughs> well, no, it was more. Well, I mean, he was in that, but I mean, I I'm a big fan of the movie W. I don't know if you've ever seen the George George W. Bush sort of biopic that Oliver Stone did. Um, Josh Brolin just I've never seen a movie where a, a, an actor has really developed into a like I mean I have seen movies but I mean he just he was you just watch this movie and you think you're watching George W. Bush it was it was crazy good um, and I'm not that I'm a fan of George W. Bush I mean I'm Australian I don't have an opinion on the guy but I just yeah anyway we're not talking about Josh Brolin this isn't uh, double Oz Josh Brolin but I have this weird just, obsession with Josh Brolin just to add on Josh Brolin I mean we all know he'll never top his performance in The Goonies, but um, <laughs> uh, the the one movie that he made that uh, you know I would love to cover if we ever get an opportunity to go through it one day is uh, the um, No Country for Old Men, which is one mm. of my favorite movies too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this isn't Josh Brolin, as you said. It's Denny Villeneuve. <laughs> Josh Brolin <laughs> um, could direct. Uh. <laughs> But the arrival last year was this huge breakthrough movie, which made a ton of money. I guess it was his first like huge financial success and got a Best Picture nomination. Uh, people haven't seen it, like Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner and Forrest Whitaker, kind of an alien invasion movie, very similar to like Contact, um, I feel, but a lot more uh, creepy and ominous. And of course, he had Blade Runner coming out. That's the one that would be most exciting for me. And funny enough, the, the other two directors I mentioned, they kind of like very gritty crime dramas. I almost feel like Denis Villeneuve is the only one that, that kind of has like the polished style that fits a Bond movie. But, you know, any of the three seem like they'd be exciting because they're not going, like you said, with big names. But kind of following what we're getting with Sam Mendes is they're looking for very respected directors, you know, ones who have had Oscar nominations or at least done Oscar-nominated movies with uh, Hell or High Water or uh, Arrival. Which it does show the direction, I guess, that they're still trying to take that, um, you know, post-Craig, um, we should be in, you know, this... this new format that we've got of the Bond films because I think kind of you know what we've had with Mendes is kind of a bit of a slower pace uh, you know not slower pace to the exact you know extent that it's it's deadly slow but I mean obviously you know what I'm talking about with Skyfall and even Spectre had its moments like that so uh, I mean, with these sort of directors, you would assume that they're, they're trying to keep that up a little bit. And it's going to be interesting to see just how, what sort of style they have because, I mean, we haven't had, um, what, since John Glenn back-to-back directors, right? So, I mean, yeah. this is going to be the first time we're following up back-to-back directors. So, you would have to, what, go to Goldeneye was the first non-Glenn film, was it not, um, since the 80s? Mm. Um, yeah. If, off the top of my head. So, yeah, so, I mean, that was obviously vastly different to Licence to Kill, and there's a lot more to that than just a change of directors, of course. But, I mean, you know, this is the first time since Skyfall that we go into a movie with a different director and how much of a different uh, tone was Skyfall to Quantum of Solace. So, mm-hmm. it's it's definitely... Got to, and it'll be a similar year gap as well. Obviously, there was four years between 2008 and 2012. There's going to be four years between 2015 and 2019 when we do get Bond 25. Yeah, so Daniel Craig will officially be the second oldest actor to ever play Bond, I think. That well, is crazy, is it not? Like, <laughs> and he started out as, like, the second youngest to ever play Bond. But he doesn't so. age. The difference between him and Roger Moore is that, mm. like, I mean, Daniel Craig's going to look the same age as he was in Casino Royale, whereas, you know, rest in peace, Roger Moore, but, I mean, he did not look the same in A View to a Kill as he did in um, uh, uh, Live and Let Die, so, yeah. Uh, other people coming back, obviously, Neil Purvis and Robert Wade, they've written or been involved in uh, every single Bond film going back to the world is not enough. I mean, they're kind of the replacement to Richard Maybaum here. Uh, but this will be the first time since 
Die Another Day that they've written, and really the only time since Die Another Day that they've written a script on their own. I mean, there's still time Uh-oh. for somebody. To- <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I didn't. See, I didn't thought you were so casual about that. You were just like, well, oh, first I just died on the day since they've written something. You're like, oh shit. Where I was going with that was that they, if you look at Casino Royale, they wrote the script and they brought in Paul Haggis to rewrite it. You know, and the same thing happened with Skyfall. They they wrote the script and John Logan rewrote it. Uh, and they kind of reversed it with Spectre, where the original script was written by John Logan, and they came in to polish it off. Um, uh, honestly, I- I'm not one who thinks you know you need a particular screenwriter for Bond, but it's one of these franchises where I think it always benefited, at least with Richard Maybaum, from having somebody who's familiar with the franchise. You bring in a new director, these guys know the character well, and they always have been very uh, tied to the classic Bond. Like, a lot of people kind of pick at the Pierce Brosnan era, but the Pierce Brosnan era was way more traditional than even the Roger Moore era was. And so I, I, I'm looking forward, especially after Spectre, and from what I understand, their work on Spectre was, or you know, even on Skyfall, it's exciting to think about them making this more of a traditional Bond movie, which we'll get to in the story in a second. But you know, going from Casino Royale, Quantum of Skyfall, Spectre, should this one just be a flat-out classic bond movie with all the stereotypes you know all the innuendos and everything else well you know i'm gonna say yes because you know i'm a fan of those ones uh but at the same time i think it's it's a difficult one because i think we've talked about this before that you, you probably can never go back to that over-the-top stereotype like i mean and i'm not just saying this to bring up die the day but um and also speaking which we can play this <laughs> Oh, we haven't been able to play that in a long time oh. because we're doing ones where we can't do copyright shit. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just, I just lost my marbles there for a little bit. But, I mean, I, I sadly don't think we can ever go back to that style because it it wouldn't fit also in this, I guess, uh, cinema landscape that we live in, not just the James Bond universe. So while we obviously had uh, elements of that in Spectre, it was done in, in a way that, you know, uh, was still... Uh, more realistic traditional world sort of so i mean i kind of think that you know there's a bit to play with in terms of mainly around the fact this is going to be craig's last film so i think that kind of we're gonna get certain things in this one that will tie up this universe in terms of leading then into whoever becomes you know bond in 26 that um you know they can maybe play a little bit more around where they they can go back to a bit of outlandish bond perhaps who knows it depends on the style this one takes but I think that if they're going to try and do that for 26 and maybe if they've got a, you know, a wider picture in terms of where they're going to go with after this one, uh, you know, maybe it has some elements in this one that can lead into 26 or if they're just going to completely tie this up with Craig and then move on to a new direction, reboot it in some form or another uh, for Bond 26 and just tie this all up. Because I think we've, we've come to establish what we know Daniel Craig's James Bond is and as as much as I enjoyed kind of the the really over the top elements inspector that obviously I talked up enough highly because I'm like this is the best Craig film in terms of what we've got from the older style James Bond films. I think too much of James Bond audience over the last decade have gotten now used to this grittier, realistic Bond that you really couldn't go too far back into Die Another Day days, as sad as that makes me feel, because I think we just live in a different time that that wouldn't work as well as it did 15 years ago. Not that it really did work 15 years ago, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Um, I guess we can 
talk a bit about the story, which people tune out now if you don't want to hear any type of spoilers, even though this probably is a spoiler. Mini, spo- mini spoiler, rumor spoiler. This is nothing yeah. confirmed, but... Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, like, again, it's it's all stuff that we speculated when Spectre came out. True. And it's things that are kind of clear if you watch the end of Spectre. You know, the movie basically ends with Daniel Craig riding off into the sunset with uh, Madeline Swan, And we kind of all said, you know... This is going to go one of two ways. This is either the perfect ending to Daniel Craig's Bond. You know, he gets to go off, you know, with uh, his lady friend and, you know, retire from MI6 or whatever. Or it's the perfect setup for one final movie. And that one final movie would basically be where the world is not enough was supposed to go uh, if George Lazenby hadn't quit on The Tonight Show. Uh, And we have Daniel Craig on Stephen Colbert to thank uh, years (laughs) later for giving us a proper conclusion. Full circle. Yeah, uh, we'll go into, I guess, a bit of the spoilers, but before we even get into the rumored spoilers or anything else like that, just this idea, we were kind of, I wouldn't even say we were divided, we were all sort of split as in, hey, we would be happy if this was the last one, we'd be happy if they have one more. Um, Do you think that this continuation is going to be a clear thing, like where they will bring, I guess, Madeline Swan back and obviously Blofeld back, that specter is something that is setting up the sequel or do you think that the final one should be its own story and not connected uh i think that should be connected i mean uh, yeah you're right we were all sort of divided a couple of years ago but i think i've come to the point now where um i i would be completely fine with them uh really tying this up and kind of having them as you know connected movies um and i think you know i mean obviously i i loved you know, Blofeld uh, in kind of how that was portrayed, obviously Leia Sadu. I mean, I think it was kind of the way that set it up. I think we, we're going to see them again, um, you know, particularly uh, Chris, Christoph Waltz. So um, I would be very surprised if all of a sudden they're like, no, nah, completely new story. This is how we're going to end Daniel Craig in because I, I definitely feel there's no way they can end how they did. I mean, you know, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Spectre, I mean, what Bond movie doesn't kill the Bond villain at the end? Mm-hmm. So, but for all, for surety, you're going to have to have him. And if they're saving him for a future one, then okay, we'll see how that works out. But I would much rather them see the continuation. And I guess kind of with that sort of leaked, it's not really leaked, it's the rumour of how this is going to have a real Honor Majesty secret service feel, you know, with, with marriage and death and yeah. everything along those lines. And I, look, I, I think kind of that... The, the way, I guess, with the spoilerish side of things here, what was rumoured is that Bond will get married. It doesn't necessarily say to, to Madeline Swan, but mm-hmm. uh, his wife will be killed early on, so the rest of the film will be a revenge film. And, like, on paper, you always think, oh, God, Bond getting married, you know, that's going to work. But I think you've summed it up a whole lot, of, you know, very thoroughly in terms of this incarnation of, of Bond, because obviously with Casino Royale in kind of how that developed his character. And then it was really the loss of his, of Tracy that really then made him into James Bond. Mm-hmm. So I think kind of, if this is the new form of James Bond we've got, we've obviously already got him from Casino Royale and kind of that element to his character. So we now need it to come back to losing his wife. And yeah. I think that that would work very well. And it would be, I think, I think this really makes sense on paper to end Daniel Craig, to set up the next James Bond. Because we've had Craig, we've seen kind of the early parts of James Bond, he's become a double O, you know, he's had all these elements to his characters, and now this is really why he's so untrustworthy and has these issues with women. And I'm not trying to go back to, like, the 60s and think, well, this is the excuse why he's a dick to women and a sexist pig. It's going to be different, a different interest. I mean, we're probably going to have a female Bond with Bond 26, seriously. But, um, 
yeah, I think that th- there's no other way they could do it. And I think that that's a perfect way of concluding Daniel Craig's era of James Bond, setting it up perfectly for the next James Bond. And, yeah, I, I actually, for one, was really excited reading that leaked plot line. And I hope that's going to be it. I hope Christoph Waltz comes back. I hope Leah Sadu comes back. Um, yeah, I, I, I would be very much excited if that was kind of what was announced along the way. And this is where it would have been nice to have Noah on the episode. Yeah, Noah! Who's off gallivanting around snug with his dad. God, it's not like you haven't seen him in over a year or something. <laughs> you haven't seen us in over a year. I well, actually have seen Ben in a couple of days. But um, Poor Colin misses you, Noah. Listen to yeah. the dad's voice. He's put up with me for over a year. Ben makes me talk about Titanic. Come back, <laughs> Noah. <laughs> but, you know, having read the books as well as I have, you know, Noah and I have talked a lot about how Ian Fleming sort of set up this story arc with Bond. You know, as as I've, you reference it, I've always said, you know, Bond and the way he responds to women, the way he treats women and everything like that, and even just his coldness as a character, it's all connected to you know what happened with Vesper and then how it took all the way to Tracy for that to come full circle, and you know, that's the reason he got married. You really have to go there, and if you've done sort of part of Honor Majesty's Secret Service uh, with the Spectre, you know, Go all the way and do the second half because we've had it done to perfection. Like you're not going to outdo Honor Majesty's Secret Service as far as the story with Tracy goes. That's why it's good that they didn't really make the Madeline Swan story, you know, similar to Tracy in any way. Um, and that's why if they did start this, I would love for the pre-title sequence to be maybe Bond's married to somebody else. Maybe he's married to uh, Monica Bellucci in the beginning. Uh, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> You know, he finds out she's having a thing with Felix. Felix is the guy who kills her. Felix, Felix turns out to be the villain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his old friend Felix that he set her up with. But he's married in that opening sequence. She dies. And that's kind of the way that Peter Hunt always said he envisioned Honor Majesty's Secret Service to Diamonds Are Forever is that uh, Bond and Tracy would have, you know, gone off happily married ever after at the end of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And that that shooting scene would have been the opening of Diamonds Are Forever, which I feel at least because. If you leave a cliffhanger with her dying, the whole next movie has to be like really intense. And and I, I take a lot of shots at Diamonds Are Forever. In a way, especially when you have a new actor, your hands are tied. Do you want him to be, you know, so devoted to just revenge the entire time where you can't have a mission? If you have it happen in the pre-title sequence, you know, it, there's not as much heaviness because you don't have years of expectation of, oh, he needs to get his revenge. So it makes it a little bit easier that way. But the idea is still there and Going back to the books, you know, I loved Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and I thought nothing could top this. And then You Only Live Twice, which really, if you've seen the movie You Only Live Twice, it has nothing to do with the book uh, at all, other than the title, really, and the setting in Japan. The Only Live Twice book is maybe the only one that really comes close to how epic Honor Majesty's Secret Service was, because it was Bond's um, revenge mission in a way, but it was still a regular mission at the same time, and it was Blofeld, and... Uh, it was Shatterhand. That's the the rumored working title of the movie, or even the, the name of the villain, Shatterhand. You know, Noah and I talked about the you need to do Bond. Shatterhand would be the next one, and uh, you know his Garden of Death and everything. And all this is going over Ben's head right now, so I don't want to put him to sleep because I'm talking about books. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Tanny. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, you only live twice is still an untapped novel, just like we talked about Moonraker being an untapped novel. And a lot of the Ian Fleming novels having untapped material, you only have twice as it's right there. You just take that story, rework it a little bit, come up with some original things around it, 
and you have a great final movie because I always felt that You Only Live Twice would have been the perfect end to Bond's character without going into the spoilers of how that book ends. And then Ian Fleming restarted with Man with the Golden Gun and it was almost like a reboot. Like, oh, we have a new actor in the James Bond novels now, you know? It was something different. So, yeah, there's there's a great opportunity there. And it's funny when you read the stories on these leak plot things, they're talking about another book that's not even the Ian Fleming book. And then they'll basically run down parts of the story of You Only Live Twice. I'm like, I don't think these people have actually read the book at all. Well, I, I mean, like me, uh, but I, um, yeah. <laughs> I listened to your novel episode because it's the only way I can listen to something, we'll hear about something about books. But, um, you know, I mean, you obviously mentioned a lot of kind of the, the storylines that have never been used and what they would be good. And I think that would be a great thing as well to kind of tie in some of that because, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's interesting that this is obviously a character based on, you know, a, a series of novels. And there are plenty of, you know, original stories in these books that have never been used, or even, as you were saying, like, expanded upon from the original titles, and it's only, it's only been the the title used. And I also think that kind of going on to what you've said a lot and what you just said there in terms of, it's almost like the, um you know, the, the gaping plot, not gaping plot hole, but the untapped storyline that Bond fans have always wondered about is how does he actually seek revenge for the death of his wife? And I, I realise that this isn't going to be Tracy, unless they introduce a character called Tracy, killer i i mean i i think that would i i think they need to do it with madeline swan i think it would be a bit unless you have the most outstanding unless it's rachel wise or something like that to yeah. kind of randomly have him have a new wife that we're meant to care about it's going to be and very who better how- to play daniel craig's wife yeah well exactly i mean you know it's very how i met your mother let's bring in the wife just to kill her off just so you can get back with robin spoiler alert and say how i met your mother but get fucked on that ending um please don't watch the end of how i met your mother <laughs> it's re- just watch it up to like the last season and pretend it was a good show before then because it was until they fucking destroyed it um but yeah so i, I think kind of it's like that untapped storyline from james bond of like i mean because you you do it is we i know you've talked about we've all talked about about how it is disappointing we never ultimately got to see him enact actual revenge besides um you know steering a helicopter down a fucking um what, what do you call well, him? Flume. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's funny because the first thing I thought of when you know this, you you posted this rumored plot, I think it was you, or maybe it was Noah, or maybe me. it was me, I don't know. It was you, okay. Ben needs credit for something, people. <laughs> I do, I do. Excuse me. Um, yep. <laughs> but when you read that, the first thing I thought was like, oh, we'll finally get like the proper revenge storyline we never got for Tracy. And then I thought to myself, I'm the one who's kind of defended Quantum of Solace for these last couple of years about how that gave us the revenge story that we never got with Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And it, it kind of made me feel sad for Quantum of Solace because... Oh, come on. When I started to... <laughs> I defend Quantum of Solace and I enjoy Quantum of Solace in a lot of areas, but I, I can instantly see that this is just going... It's going to make Quantum of Solace irrelevant, you know? Because... Good. The things that worked about Quantum of Solace are going to be done so much better in this one. And it's not even a situation where it's like, oh, we've already seen Bond get revenge, you know, for the the loss of his loved one. It's just, there's no way that, you know, no matter who directs this, unless Lee Tamahori comes back, there is no way that this movie doesn't blow Quantum of Solace away. But I don't feel that makes Quantum of Solace irrelevant. It almost makes James Bond, like, a more um, well-flushed-out character because you have this repeated cycle, and then Skyfall almost does become, like we said, the perfect middle thing where... You know, Dr. No and From Russia With Love are setting up the Spectre and Blofeld Crisis, and then you have Goldfinger in the middle, and then you have Thunderball and Ranch Secret Service tying it up. I mean, Daniel Craig's five films will basically be the original five Bond films at that point. 
And can we just point out on a side note, just with that five film aspect, uh, a little point that Noah brought up a long time ago, which is going to be kind of a cool little stat that we will uh, have all the Bond actors at the end of their run, at least up until Bond 25, would have had a different number of Bond films that they've starred in. So, you know, Moore was seven, Connery six, Craig five, Brosnan four, uh, three, nobody had three, did they? No, two to Dalton, one to, to Lazenby. So Idris Elba will have to star in three. Um, and then we will kind of have a nice spread. But, yeah, I mean, everything you said there I agree with. I think it's, I mean, it, it really kind of will set up this character in this reboot franchise perfectly into whoever comes in as Bond 26. So I think they would have... And that's kind of a nice little bookend for an actor that we've never had before. We've never mm-hmm. had a tightly bookended run as a Bond actor. And obviously we realise films are made differently now than they were, you know, in the, the 60s and 70s. So, I mean, it really wasn't a big thing back then because, I mean, Bond really was the only franchise that was doing this back then. And now, obviously, we live in a world with, you know, Marvel and DC and expanded universes, which, again, we can touch on a little bit if we want to in this in terms of some of the rumours around that, which I know we've loosely touched on before. But, um, yeah, so I think this is a perfect opportunity for them to really close out a nice chapter in the James Bond universe and personally, you know, as somebody who obviously I've not really been 100% Team Craig along this entire journey, it, it does kind of make me excited that we can possibly get a real concluding point. And particularly given that Craig brought the real starting point to a reboot. So, I mean, the the possibilities here are so exciting that, that what they can do to close this chapter out. And you just really hope this isn't the time when Craig jumps the shark, you know, more than Quantum of Solace nearly did. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's harsh on Quantum of Solace still, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's what we've all been saying from the beginning. You know, it, it'd be, it's going to be, I can't believe we're 25 movies in and what, almost 55, we are now 55 years into this franchise and we've never had kind of an end conclusion of storyline. You know, Honor Majesty's Secret Service would have led into that perfect conclusion and you know, we were robbed of it because Lazenby <laughs> kind of went nuts. So we'll learn more about that when you watch Becoming Bond, coming soon to 007. Um, that's going to be the most exciting but at the same time, I feel like that's the thing that's going to make it harder going forward after that is, you know, if you make this so much of a conclusion to Daniel Craig, do you have to start over completely, you know, from that point on? You know, I've mentioned it before. You know, I'm a big fan of Doctor Who. You know, I don't think you've ever really seen it. Uh, you probably should see it. There's lots of Billy Piper in it. but uh, <laughs> Believe Doctor- me, you get to see lots of Billy Piper <laughs> in Secret Diary of the Cold Girl. Um, but, I mean, Doctor Who is sort of famous for recasting its actors, but actually them taking on completely different characters. And it's something that physically happens where he becomes a different person on, on Doctor Who. But even doing that, they never really drew so much attention to it. And one of my only complaints about the newer series is that they're so obsessed with tying up not only this is the actor's end, but let's tie up all the characters they're associated with and you know uh, all the storylines that went on and all the villains that you basically have the show ending and then every time a new actor takes over as the new Doctor, it's a complete reboot. And I feel like if they go too heavy on this, you know, oh, it's Daniel Craig's last one, let's go all out where are they going to go other than having to reboot again? And that's the only thing I don't want is I, I'm okay with them rebooting with Casino Royale. You know, we get to 20 movies. It's okay to start from scratch and say, you know, new continuity. <laughs> it's a new story. Forget about everything that happened before then. But I want the next bond to just be another bond. And they're continuing this story with the other actors. If they just have to start over from scratch again, then I will probably uh, retroactively be 
uh, opposed to this whole final Daniel Craig thing. I love how that's your... You like, you know, if I, this happens, I will be retroactively opposed. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you, I'm going to punch Idris Elba. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, there's nothing that, again, I disagree with. I think that's a very good point. Um, and, yeah, I don't think we need to reboot this again, um, you know, what, 2022, 2023, unless, you know, something major happens in Hollywood between now and then that kind of we, we start all this again. I mean, who knows? Like... Who knows what's going to happen in that amount of time in filmmaking? I mean, did we think in the year 2002 we'd die another day coming out that all of a sudden we're going to have this big push for rebooting things? So, I mean, it, it's kind of... It, it's interesting to think of that. So, I, I completely agree. And, I, and you've got to feel that, you know, Naomi Harris, you know, Ben Whishaw, people like that are going to be in. Um, you know, Ray Fiennes are going to be in the next Bond. They're kind of being set up for the long term. And, of course, I obviously realise that, you know, Judy Dench was still in the reboot. But... Um, yeah, I think that absolutely everything you said is important. I think come, and it's weird how we're here, we're getting excited for Craig coming off for 25 and we're already looking ahead to Bond 26. But I think it definitely is very important to, um, to keep this going in the way that we've got this and not reboot it again. So unless they do bring out a Die Another Day style film, uh, where they do completely shit all over everything they've done you know it's like bond on jupiter or something like that you know i don't know bond in uh, dark tower realms of um you know hidden worlds and stuff like that with matthew mcconaughey <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll talk a little bit more about daniel craig right on the end but just before then you mentioned the shared universe thing um i guess this again is all just a rumor at this point Everybody's kind of obsessed with shared universe at this point. You know, you dropped the Dark Tower there, which we just recorded an episode on for uh, a completely unrelated podcast. Uh, Oz Network, available via iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they're talking about, like, the Stephen King shared universe, which makes sense because he kind of set that up. You have Marvel, you have DC, you have Star, well, Star Wars, you know, kind of always had that. <laughs> Can you do anything other than James Bond? Like, James Bond is a character so big that I don't feel you could do a Q spinoff. Or even, the, who's the only other character that's really big enough that people would be interested in seeing a movie on would be Blofeld, but I don't see anybody wanting to see a Blofeld movie without Bond, because every character you associate with Bond, this series has always been designed around, you know, Money, Penny and Bond, Q and Bond, Blofeld and Bond, you know, M and Bond, uh, Goldfinger and Bond, uh, Jinx and Bond. <laughs> you said it. Uh, I kind of got the crawlies <laughs> when I said that. <laughs> um, but every character is related to Bond. So I don't see any room for even a Felix spinoff or anything like that because the character is so iconic. You know, the only other character, at least in film, that I think comes even close is maybe Rocky. And the only reason that Creed works as a movie is because it's 50% a Rocky movie still. So is there any way that a shared universe is of any interest even to you, Ben? Even you, of all people? I love your tone there, Colin. Thank you. Um, no, I think we, we mentioned this in one of our last episodes. I, I, I don't think it works. I mean, one of the, the things in that Hollywood Reporter article about sort of, you know, Apple and Amazon's interest is kind of, you know, James Bond is kind of the last untapped um, universe where really there is a lot here that they think they can do. And, and that's not necessarily a film thing as well. They're also looking at potentially, you know, TV series, which again is kind of might work differently to a, a shared universe film series. But, um, you know, so they're, they're really seeing, you know, untapped merchandising, untapped, you know, television and other forms of media, which, look, I, I can see their point, but... All those people I, are just dying for the Tanner action figure in the Tanner animated series. <laughs> Tanner on the Dems. Tanner on the Dems. <laughs> Coming soon to Netflix. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think as I mentioned in our last episode when we might have brought this up, I just think James Bond is not a is not a shared universe possibility, and I'd like to be proven wrong, but I think you summed it up. I mean. This isn't Marvel or DC or Star Wars where you've got a hundred different characters that we all want to learn a little bit more about and that all deserve their own rights. I mean, what are we referring to this as? The James Bond universe. I mean, you are literally saying a person's name in that franchise. You just, you can't do it. And I think kind of, here's a weird sort of connection in some way. I mean, you look at the the reboot of 24 that they tried to do this year without Jack Bauer. It didn't work. I mean... Mm -hmm. 24, as much as people want to argue, and that had some great side characters, but 24 was about Jack Bauer. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I've not seen the Bourne film without Jason Bourne in it, but, I mean, did that work? I, I mean, it might be a uh, bit different. It, it worked more than the most recent Bourne film with Bourne in it, but that was oh, okay. the problem with the movie. But, well, yeah. well, there you go. But, I mean, I just, I just don't see it. Like, I mean, you know... Felix Leiter is probably the only one that you would argue might have a... And that's no disrespectful to people like Money Penny... Yes, the background between Stella and Felix meeting. Um, Stella? Stella, you mean? (laughs) Yeah, Stella, that too. Um, I I just watched Back to the Future, all right? Stella! Hit another one of those damn kids in my car again! Um, But yeah, I just just don't see it. I don't see it. And, I mean, as much as I love Christoph Waltz, I love the Blofeld in, you know, the interpretation he did, how does that work as a movie? Like, I mean, it just... I mean... It's mountain climbing. (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, I mean, there's there's maybe your only side film you can do, like Bond is, you know, the the true story yep. behind Bond as a kid. I mean, even, but that's still about Bond, isn't it? So yeah. I just don't. And plus, you know, the thing is that would be different between any shared universe movie in the Bond franchise to anything in Marvel, Star Wars, anything, is that you, you'll expect a James Bond cameo, you know, whereas like... You can get away, like I know Rogue One. Rogue One had a thousand cameos in it, but I mean, you know, and Marvel they have the cameos in it, but you know, in Spider-Man: Homecoming, do we expect a Hulk cameo? No, you know, it's kind of like you would always expect there to be a James Bond cameo. So, and considering Daniel Craig's going to be done with this, you know, do you want to introduce new Idris Elba in the Money Penny spin-off? It's going to be a bit weird because we don't know him yet as James Bond. So, yeah, I I want to be proven wrong because. On paper, it sounds exciting. We're not going to complain about more James Bond movies or TV shows. Of course we're not. But I just don't think it would work. Yeah. Yeah, completely agreed. I don't think anybody thinks this is going to work. Uh, that's why I think that's just completely a rumor. Um, last thing to really talk about, I guess we'll just talk again about Daniel Craig. You know, we talked about that announcement. And the, the one thing that I found is that there's a lot of people who are maybe critical of Daniel Craig because of the comments he made around the time Spectre came out, which you know, we've always said it's completely fair. I mean... You know, you spend, as Daniel Craig said, you spend a year working on a movie. You know, you don't want to even think about it. Any job. I mean, think about, you know, every job you've had. Have you ever had a job where after a year of doing nothing but that, you know, you go home at the end of the day and, you know, you sit down to eat your dinner as like your significant other or your your date on Tinder of the night, Ben. <laughs> they say, hey, tell me about your day at work. Do you even want to talk about it? No. You know, it's like, do you want to go back to work tomorrow? No, I don't want to go back to work. I'm going to call in sick, you know, uh, which I don't think I've ever called in sick. But uh, I mean, everybody, I think, jumped down his throat a little bit because of that. And, you know, we kind of made a lot of jokes about it. And even he made jokes about it on there. But uh, do you think that this is something where people uh, are maybe a little bit too uh, jaded by that comment? Uh, you know, is him coming back and people going to forget about it at the time it comes out? Like, it seems like that reputation has really stuck with him to the point where he's having a hard time shaking it right now, coming back. 
I think what really sold me a lot on through his interview with Stephen Colbert, and you know I haven't necessarily been a huge fan of Daniel Craig as James Bond, but I mean, I've come around on, I mean, the guy himself, like, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever really talked about it. I dislike Daniel Craig. I like Daniel Craig. I mean, He again, married Richard Weiss. Yeah, well, he did. And Logan Lucky is an amazing film. I mean, you know, he was Alex West in Tomb Raider. I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I've never disliked Daniel Craig. And, I mean, yeah, I know we've kind of, I think I was one of the ones who talked down a little bit about that comment because, you know, I think one thing I like about James Bond actors is these ones who, you know, come out of it and can talk positively. You know, Roger Moore, obviously a huge advocate for his role as James Bond. Pierce Brosnan still fondly talks about it, you know, uh, whereas obviously like Connery doesn't, you know, Lazenby, well, as long as you pay him, he will. And, uh, you know, Dalton, well, he's off doing theatre and he, no one knows where he is now. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of was a downside for me for Craig. But one thing that really sold me in terms of that interview with Stephen Colbert is that, I mean, he basically says in that interview, he's like, well, you know, I've gotten a lot of criticism for it. And, I, you know, he's like, I just needed to word it better. He basically has said that, you know, I, I, I meant it, but I need to work on how I work. I mean, Daniel Craig was me at that point. I need to word things better sometimes <laughs> when it comes to, you know, certain things. I mean, I... Or Noah, thank you very much. Yeah, well, I mean, you know what I guess we're trying to say. We just don't say it in the correct way. And particularly in this day and age when, you know, it's going to be thrown down your throat a lot more. So, um, and I think, too, I've mentioned, I, I remember seeing a lot of interviews with Craig around that time where there was, yeah, there was even a news.com today you interview they did with him where he basically they they portrayed him as a real dick because i think the journalists i mean it was a stupid question they asked him they're like oh is your password on your like email james bond like that was legitimately a journalist question and they showed his reaction where like craig was like are you serious you actually asked me that question i like i, I, I don't know the specifics of it but like they literally portrayed craig as a dick because of how he answered i'm like well you asked a stupid question you're going to get a stupid answer so i think craig really kind of sold me in his his reaction to it and it's just and Colbert did a good job of, you know... Oh, Colbert was than, great. Daniel Craig was almost sort of owning up to it. It's like, yeah, I know it was a stupid thing to say, and Colbert's like, it's not that stupid. I mean, who really, you yeah. know, wouldn't be uh, kind of hesitant to do something after this, you I'm know? a big Colbert fan, and I think, you know, side note, he was a perfect replacement for David Letterman, because I think he definitely channels a lot of David Letterman in what he does. Um, but yeah, you're right. Colbert handled that perfectly. I love the way Colbert's like... You know, uh, I saw the first James Bond film when they said James Bond will return, and I'm like, he better. Um, <laughs> I love the way he said that. But, um, yeah, look, he, he gets a lot of criticisms for it, but, again, I think a lot of that comes down to the day and age you live in the internet. You know, yeah. people are going to do that. I mean, I'm sure Connery and Moore said things like this in the 60s and 70s, particularly Connery, but, you know, he didn't have Twitter and social media to have to do. Imagine if he did. Holy shit. So, you know, Craig's going to say, anyone's going to say anything like that. And it's going to live with you forever, you know, and, so, yeah. I mean, who knows how long it took for this quote to get out. And people also don't realize, I mean, Craig even said he had just finished filming the movie when that yeah. question was asked. Like, literally just finished after months of working this and who knows how much time of prep. And the smartest thing that Colbert said, and when I was watching this, you know, I instantly thought of my wife. And she repeats this to people all the time. He compared it to, like, a woman who just gave childbirth, saying, well, I don't want to <laughs> have another baby after this. You know, my wife always said that she wanted to have... Well, originally she she has like seven brothers, so a family of eight. And she always said, oh, I want to have as many kids. And then, you know, she started watching my sister's kids, and my sister has five. And she's like, no, nah, I think my number's going down a little bit. <laughs> said, oh, I want to have, uh, you know, at least three kids. And then it's like, oh, well, maybe two. And then right after she gave birth, she's like, I think I'm okay not having kids for a while. And her opinion <laughs> changed. It didn't take long for it to change. She's yelling at the background. <laughs> 
I want three, and I'm like, I want one. <laughs> we'll keep the one we have. Well, that? let's just be honest, though, Colin. You, you kind of want more kids because it's the only time you get to have sex. So, uh... <laughs> I think. Uh, we, I don't know if we've established that even you do that when you conceive Casper. That's another episode. <laughs> Uh, Colin's lack of romance, more for that. (laughs) But it's the perfect comparison, you know, and Daniel Craig kind of just brushed it off. But when he said that, I thought instantly my wife, who, you know, had a baby, and then literally five minutes later, she's like, I don't think I want any kids anymore. (laughs) Well, I'd love to meet a woman who actually is like pushing a baby out of their vagina, and two seconds later, fuck, that was amazing, let's have another. (laughs) Exactly. All wives say, I would rather slash my wrists than ever have another baby again. But it doesn't take long to come around, and it didn't take long for Craig. So I just thought, we started talking about you know the announcement of this, perfect to talk about Daniel Craig and getting over that comment, because he's done a good job, I think, of playing it off and also owning up to it. Yeah, I know it was stupid, but he's always loved Bond, and that's one thing that you know we can't forget, is that we have a lot of Bond actors who, you know, maybe if they did get frustrated with the character... You know, they let it show, like Connery let it show, and Roger Moore probably never let it show, but he did try to get out of the role a lot. And Craig, even though he's never really been the ambassador for Bond, somebody like you know, Pierce Brosnan, who every single time a Bond movie came out, he'd always be like, this is the most fun I've ever had. You know, he kind of goes back now and says, yeah, I don't even really care for most of the Bond movies I made. But Daniel Craig, he may not have always been the most enthusiastic person, but he's never given a lazy effort. You know, and that's something that I think is really important is that we we've never had a bond as dedicated to the role as he's been for this long, because uh, as critical as I am about Spectre, uh, Daniel Craig gave one of his best performances of Bond as Spectre. You know, I'd put it up there probably above even Skyfall and, you know, just short of Casino Royale as far as his overall dramatic performance. It really was spectacular. And uh, I think giving him this last movie, I mean, he's just going to go all out with it. And that's exciting. And one thing, too, I think um, since, obviously, um, Skyfall and Spectre, he's actually done other projects, which, I mean, after Skyfall, he didn't do anything, did he, to Spectre? So, um, you know, obviously, he had been a while between doing other things outside of James Bond, and maybe that's kind of, like, helped him a little bit as well, because, uh, you know, you think about that also, that comment... The fact that he did Skyfall, then he did Spectre, then he's doing those interviews. So the only two films he'd done in three years was just James Bond. It's the only character he played. And it's, it's a big thing, obviously, for actors to get into a character's head and, you know, really try and, you know, do the best performance of that. So I think kind of um, he's having a lot more fun out there. Obviously, he's, you know, looking for other projects outside. And it's obviously when, you know, he was announced what to do, that King's show, that, uh, you know, everybody's like, oh, he's definitely not doing um, James Bond because, you know, he's already looking at other projects. So I think it's kind of helped him a little bit and, you know... Logan Lucky. The he Force just, Awakens. He, well, I mean, that was obviously a very key role uh, in that. But, I mean, he just has so much fun in Logan Lucky. Um, you know, you can just tell. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's kind of helped him a little bit too. But, um, yeah, no, like I never thought I would say this, but I'm saying it. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Craig again. I really am. And I never thought I'd say this either. I'll be kind of sad to see Daniel Craig go. Uh, you know, he's still not going to be, you know, my top three Jane, favourite James Bond. But, uh He's endeared himself to me slightly. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. And, uh, again, I'll be very sad to see him go, unless, obviously, Idris Elba gives the most amazing performance in Bond 26. When he comes in at the age of 59 to play Bond. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, Idris Elba is, like, even more so than Daniel Craig is somebody who doesn't age. But, I mean, look, I'm not going to be an advocate for Idris Elba. That's another episode. Yeah. I'll, that's where I will put my foot in it. But <laughs> um, 
we don't really have much else to talk about because we're going to be talking about Bond 25 a lot between now and 2019. Well, how many it's... episodes did we do on Spectre? I mean, for well, God's sakes, we're suppose... two years away from Bond 25 and we've already done an episode on it. We're kind two of. years into this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of stuff we've covered over the last two years, I think we can do this all over again. You know, double what we've done so far by the time this movie even comes out. Uh, that means it's going to be a lot of commentaries, um, a lot of more episodes on Spectre or whatever we can come up with, and a lot of what's returning next week, Ben? Um, yeah, or that... Next month or next... Thing that you told me about? <laughs> uh, oh, are we talking about rankings? Rankings! <laughs> All right. Let's play Clearly, I'm, I'm away with the fairies. <laughs> Cue the music. Rankings! Rankings, Rankings, oh, I haven't heard that in ages. It gave me, I'm just not used to being on a show where we can play shit like that. I'm so used <laughs> to, oh, copy protected now. Uh, yeah, no, rankings. Uh, is uh, Noah's back, as we've established, but yeah. not on this episode. Uh, so I guess a lot of the reasons why we've, we did so many commentaries in the last year or so and, you know, kind of went away from the initial plan of rankings after we'd done all the recaps was we wanted Noah to be involved in the, in the rankings. So we didn't really need him to be involved in the, in the commentaries as much. So that's kind of why we've been doing those as filler. But now that Noah's back, we, we really want to look at these rankings episodes again. And we've only what done the Bond actors and our dreaded song episode, uh, which look, let's be honest, he's one of our greatest episodes we've ever produced. Oh, yeah. Um, we're not tuning our horn, or maybe we are. Fuck it, we are. Uh, but yeah, so I'm looking forward. So, what are we look, thinking here, Colin? We can obviously do uh, Bond girls, villains, villains you know, henchmen. Felixes, uh, yeah. um, you know, jinxes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's it's exciting because I think yeah, that's what we always did plan post all the recaps. Uh, is that we were at least going to do a series on the rankings of the films, so mm-hmm. of the of various aspects of the films. So yeah, it's it's definitely one that I think is uh, is exciting. And we brought Noah back just to say "drop dead on the air" to you again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> drop dead when I, when I rang Jinx at number two. Just no, just <laughs> drop dead, Ben. <laughs> uh, it is going to be fun too. Like. It's funny because, you know, when Noah left the show, it was only a year ago. Noah did the first commentary with me when you were on a hiatus, and then we did the commentaries while he's been on a hiatus. When are you going to go on a hiatus, Colin? (laughs) I have no life. Well, I have too much of a life. I can't tear myself away from (laughs) the city. No vacation for me. Uh, But, you know, since then, we've had one episode where, you know, you talked to Noah for half the episode and me for half the episode. And one episode where I talked to Noah for half the episode and you for half the episode. We have not had all three of us on the line at the same time Since in a that year. Song recap one. Yeah, the song recap, which was what that was actually. Show, I think that was recorded in about March last year, or that would have been. I think we did that before I went away on my first it was trip last spring, year. Spring, yeah. So it's actually nearly been eighteen months since all and three of us have been on an episode. The funniest thing, and you know, we see the download stats. I mean. We have a couple thousand new listeners. <laughs> who why? Still, What's going on we here, We don't people? know why. Roger Moore We're died. not James Bond Radio, all right? We <laughs> appeared on it slightly once, I think. And thanks, guys, for putting our article out there. But, um, you know, you do realize this is 007. Yeah, thousands of new people have started tuning into this show over the last few episodes. And none of them know who Noah is. So are you in for a treat? <laughs> he comes back and our listeners' numbers goes down. Yeah, then we're going to know what the problem is. <laughs> who is this out. guy? <laughs> Who is he? <laughs> but coming soon to Dolores 7, 
rankings and the return of Noah Groves. Um, and Becoming Bond, which we've teased a lot. Yeah. We're going to do it. Because that is... A, go and watch it, people. Like, that is seriously oh, so amazing. Some our coverage. Like, you, I think, threw a trailer out there once and said, hey, did you guys hear about this movie? And then nothing for months. And then I had it on the movie channels here uh, over the last couple months and watched it. I'm like, you guys seriously have to watch this movie. And even when you saw it, your reaction was, I did not expect it to be as entertaining as it was. And it, it's yeah. sort of semi-documentary, semi-dramatic reenactment. It's it's really an interesting hybrid of a documentary and a drama, something I've never seen before, and just incredibly funny and incredibly entertaining. And not just, and we're not just saying this because of the Lazenby love. I mean, that's a huge part of it. But I mean, this, yeah, like it's so well done, and even like the flashback scenes, kind of like the the recreation of like the drama aspect, you know, with uh, with Josh Lawson in it, this you know Australian actor, and uh, I've gone blank on the girl's name who I'm like madly in love with. She used to be in uh, Home and Away. Um, but on the show, or that's in it, Cassandra, Cassandra, Le, yeah, 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 uh, Clementi, that's it. Um, but yeah, yeah she, like just incredible. It's just it's so much fun, mm. and um, you know, even if we weren't James Bond fans, this is a fun film to watch. It's just as you said, it's so well done, and I think this was done by like Netflix or Amazon or one Hulu. I think it was a Hulu film. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's Hulu. kind of you know going back to what we're saying about these studios producing these things. So. Yeah, definitely can't wait to cover that. And I think we might hold out for Noah as well for that one too, just because I, we've said to Noah, you've got to watch this film. Um, so by all means, if you can find a copy of Becoming Bond, uh, watch it. It's incredible. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to do a recap on it. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to you know, be changing it up a little bit over the next little while. We're not going to be sticking just with rankings. We're going to be kind of doing a little bit of everything. And uh, as far as timelines go, I know we, we've been saying and pretty consistently keeping up with an episode every month. Uh, we still intend to do that at least one episode every month. Uh, sometimes more, depending on if there's something big going on. But uh, the reason this one Craig dies tomorrow, yeah. basically, <laughs> when, <laughs> because of when this Ben episode. kills another actor or famous actor in the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's we'll, we'll be pretty consistent with it as long as you know. This time we just wanted to wait for Noah. We couldn't get him on the show. He was busy with dear old dad. But uh, <laughs> we'll be back definitely within a couple of weeks to give you uh, rankings or a commentary or Becoming Bond, or something else to do with Bond 25. <laughs> the Craig tribute episode, the Connery tribute episode, uh, yeah. the Dalton tribute episode, the Brosnan tribute episode. They all like got together at a convention, and that's when North Korea like, nuked them. And it's like, oh, we're here to mourn the death of all the James Bond actors. <laughs> oh, God, it's going to happen now. Ben, don't say it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm we're so- sorry. 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 <laughs> Uh, we will be back. Uh, Noah will be back. Ben will be back. Uh, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and uh, Stitcher. We got a great review on Stitcher last day. Did we? Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you really. Can see it or not. Yeah. Um, so review us on Stitcher. Or what iTunes. does it say? Uh, you gave uh, me the suspense. I don't know if you're joking or not. <laughs> better than Spectre, etc., and Peter Travers combined. <laughs> Oh, that's a, that's a recycled one. That was like the similar one that we had on um on iTunes. But yeah. thank you, whoever that was. I mean, that. and also can I just say a quick shout out? Thank you. Uh, I got a few tweets. One, one tweet. Um, in the last week or so, I'm very I'm very Jeff Probst that, aren't I? I'm very Jeff Probst. 
<laughs> people, so many people stopped me on the street. Like one person, Jeff. Um, but we we got a tweet recently where they basically said, well, "I've just discovered uh, your episodes, enjoying them so far." And uh, if I was any sort of uh, good host, I would pull that person's name up. Which maybe if I can drag this out slightly, I can because I actually have them fairly. Because I basically I, I get so um, I have so little self confidence. If one person gives me a compliment, I'm like, "Oh my god!" And I frame it on my wall. Um, <laughs> Paul M. Paul Matt P Mac Double O Seven. Uh, tweeted us said, just listen to your James Bond podcast, 50th episode with Robert John Darby. Awesome. Can't wait for part two. Uh, same with us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, uh, for that, Paul. Uh, appreciate it. And to anyone else who discovers this, um, we always like hearing from you. Yeah. So let us hear from you. Um, please let us please. hear from you. <laughs> I don't have a wife to have a baby with every few years. <laughs> I need the love. Uh, Why are we doing this on all our podcasts now? It's just been sad and lonely closing. <laughs> Can we just start Ben on Tinder as our newest podcast? Just uh, reading up profiles. Tinder Oz. <laughs> yeah, it's just me. It's just live me swiping left or right. <laughs> Janice, 27 from Glenorchy. Our three mutual friends. No. <laughs> And we know who at least one of those mutual friends is. <laughs> Brittany, 23, from Gagebrook. Uh, you're from Gagebrook? No, Noah Groves. Oh, Noah. Noah. From Snug. <laughs> She's pretty hot. <laughs> uh, that's all until 2019. My name is Colin, and I'm okay with just one baby. <laughs> that is the best closing ever, because he actually turned to Jamie to say it. You can hear Jamie in the background going, no. Uh, <laughs> My name is Ben, and Dad went blood tree. <laughs> I, I always wanted to. Uh, I, I needed a break. You I mean, didn't always want to because no, uh, whoa, whoa. you said at an interview <laughs> after you finished Spectre, Mister. I always wanted to. You said I. Somebody asked you, I'm you not allowed to, to check my mind. You said I'd rather slash my wrist than play James Bond again. I can't believe you've got that written of down course. there. Of course. Um, I have a terrible memory. People have to write things <laughs> down for me. So there was a time when you didn't want to be there. It was, look, I, I, there's no point in making excuses about it, but it was two days after I finished shooting the last movie. Sure. I went straight into an interview and someone said, would you do another one? And I went, no. I, and I, instead of saying something, you know, um, <laughs> with style and, and grace, I gave a really stupid answer.